Hello, everyone. You are tuning into another episode of Diving Deep with Denise. My name is Denise Cordero. I'm a holistic life coach and soul mentor. This podcast intends to create a sisterhood, a tribe of women that gets to have raw and authentic conversations about all expressions of what it is to be embodied as a woman. Through the vulnerable sharing of our stories, we get to invite other women to share theirs, to be empowered, to be healed, and to boldly step into their authenticity and their truth. Today, I have an amazing guest speaker. Her name is Janelle Green. She is a marriage expert and coach whose sole mission it is to save marriages and heal broken hearts. She works with couples who are on the edge of divorce or separation and help them to return to love and a loving place where appreciation, affection, and respect live harmoniously. Her own experiences with divorce and now presently living inside a beautiful 15-year marriage, she had always imagined she brings words of hope, wisdom, and compassion in an authentic, high-energy, and no-nonsense style to both her private clients as well as stages everywhere. Janelle is committed to transforming what is what it means to be married and is living proof that romance, intimacy, and connection can blossom and grow long after the honeymoon stage. Thank you so much for being with me, Janelle. Thank you, Denise. That was great. I love it. Well, you know, I want to get to the no nonsense part. When we were offline, I was talking about that I had just received your latest newsletter that talks about communication in a relationship. And it's everything. It really, really is everything. Um, Whether it's problems with sex, finances, whatever it may be, it all boils down to our ability to be able to sit down with our partners, to feel safe, and also to drop into vulnerability and say, hun, I'm not liking this, or we're not in sync with something that's going on. And that is so hard when we have two human beings who have completely distinct communication styles. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, you know, I would say, you know, what you that point you just mentioned 10 seconds ago, the fact that we are so different, men and women are different, I think is a really vital key that most of us forget. You know, when couples come to see me, a lot of their strife with each other is that, well, is expectation. So it's like, you know, I am a great parent. I play well with the kids. The kids love me. Why can't you play with the kids the same way? Why can't you do act the way I act or do what I do well? And, you know, I think one of the amazing things, I would say the number one thing that makes my marriage really, really distinct. When I look at other couples, I think the thing that we do super, super well 
is we accept each other just the way we are. We don't try to change each other. We don't try to fix each other. We don't try to put our own beliefs and values on each other because we know we're different and we love that about each other. You know, I always describe us as the yin and the yang. We are complete opposites in the most beautiful way. So I think for couples, if you can, if you're really committed to love, then that's where you need to start is ask yourself, what is it about my partner that I don't like, or I'm trying to change about them? Because let's be honest, guys, we can't change other people. And the more we try to do that, the more that we get frustrated, the more we get upset, but then we make it as though it's their fault that they don't change when, you know, a zebra can't change its colors, like, or its stripes, like that's just who they are. And I think it starts with us. It starts with us accepting ourselves for who we are and how we're not, because we cannot, we cannot give to another what we don't even have for ourselves. If we don't have self-love, if we don't accept ourselves just the way we are and the way we're not, how can we give that to other people? Because we haven't learned that lesson for ourselves. Yeah, thank you. So just piggybacking on what you're saying, I'm just thinking, okay, I love myself, I accept myself, and I can do so with another person. But there's a caveat here. And I think that... um, you know, everyone that's listening is probably saying me too. I come with my own shit and I come with a lot of baggage and I'm sorry, but the ideal relationship or the optimal relationship or the right relationship has never been modeled in my life. How do I figure this shit out? How do I, how did an imperfect person who can accept themselves that they're imperfect, really want to work on their shit, come into a relationship with another imperfect person and kind of meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah, well, you know, and I think this is a perfect conversation (laughs) because what it comes down to is guess what? Communication. You know, (laughs) one thing I want to share about myself is I got trust issues. Yeah, I've had them since I was nine when my dad left us for another woman. Um, The woman was my mom's best friend who lived in our basement, who he got pregnant and then he left. And I was nine in at nine years old, you know, and I only saw this when I actually did the work, when I actually took responsibility, I saw that I made up that I'm unlovable. I can't trust anybody and everybody I love will leave me. So with that mindset ingrained in this nine-year-old, now moving into, you know, teens and dating and relationships, yeah, I totally screwed it up too, because guess who I got, guess who I attracted? <laughs> the guy that my, my parents did not approve of, but I had it that I was not worthy, or that who am I to want that, those, that, those attributes of an amazing husband? Because I'm, I'm broken. Nobody would want me. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I, I, I attracted. So, you know, fast forward now with my husband, you know, those things still come up. The difference is, is, A, I'm aware of it. 
And B, I know it's not who I am. It's just something that happened to me in the past. And I can actually detach from my old self. But so many people, we hold on to our wounds and our trauma. Like it's this like puppy that we want to just caress and hold, even though we know it's it's not great for us, but it's, yeah. it's all we've ever known. It's all we've ever been, you know, programmed to think. And we have all the shame and guilt around it. And so, you know, with my husband, I tell him, listen, honey, you know, I'm sorry that I, I said what I said. Yeah. Um, you know, what really came up when you said that thing, what I made it mean was this. And I got sent back to when I was nine years old. And what I said to you was not mine. It was the nine-year-old inside of me. And I, and I take full responsibility. And he, next time, here's what I need you to do. Or here's my request. These are the words that really trigger me. And I would really request that you not say that. Yeah. Or, you know, when we get into another situation like this, here's what I want to happen. So we actually create a game plan before the thing happens. Because when you're in it, you can't think straight. You're just like firing, you're triggered, you're reacting, you're saying shit that you don't mean, you're walking away. And like for us, I'm the, I need five minutes and my husband is the one who wants to talk it all out. And the more he wants to talk when I'm not ready to talk, the more I get frustrated, the more I get pissed off and the more I'm most likely going to say something that I'm going to regret. And so I tell him that in advance, honey, Next time this happens, I need you to let me go. I promise I'm, I'm coming back, you know, because I think that's his big thing is that I'm not going to come back. Yeah. I promise I will come back. I promise we'll talk about it when I'm done. But when I say I got to go, I really need to go. And that's how you can respect my wishes is just giving me my space. Because I just, this is just what I need to come down from my emotional flooding and to get emotionally regulated this is what I need from you. And then I need you to, and then we're going to sit down and I'm going to say exactly what I need to say to you. I need you to not say anything. I need you to just listen to me. Don't try to fix me. Don't give me advice. Just listen to me, hold my hand, rub my back, whatever you, that feels natural for you. And when I'm done, I need you to go get me some ice cream. So he knows exactly what it is I need in my moment of vulnerability and he does the same for me. I know exactly what he needs when he's stressed out. I know, you know, my husband has these moments of utter vulnerability. This, this man is all heart. And we know that people that are all heart, they, they hurt more intensely. And so I know when he's in that place of vulnerability, I know how to take care of him. I know what he needs to hear. I know he needs a hug. I know he needs me to tell him everything's going to be okay and that it's okay to feel whatever he feels. And then at the end of it, I, all I need to hear is him take a big breath and just be like, and I know that's my signal that he's good to go. And then I just give him a hug. I tell him I love him and he says, thank you. And we're done. So nothing ever goes into this crazy place. Cause we know that we're allowed, we're both allowed to have emotions and we allow each other to have that. We accept that about each other. And then we support each other through that versus, well, why is that my fault? But, you know, and then we get defensive and take things personally. And we've become really great at that as being a team. That is yeah. awesome. That is awesome. So there's, there's a few things that you said that I want to like kind of flush out. 
because yeah. this is like um hashtag relationship goals everybody right <laughs> where things just come to things work but this is this is kind of what I've experienced with my clients and I work I work with women not only that but in my social circles and friends and and, and so mm-hmm. forth one of the things that you said that I absolutely loved and you repeated it over and over again is communicating what I need. Babe, I need this. I need ice cream. I need you to give me space. I need you to give me time. And also listening to your partner's needs, what they need as well, so that you're reciprocating, you're being there for each other, you're holding space for each other. And I think that that that's so important. Um, the other thing is vulnerability, talking about vulnerability. So this is going to be like a two part, three part, whatever it is. So, you know, go down the rabbit hole with me. Um, because I'm sure there's, you know, all the women that are listening to us are talking about Well, Janelle, there's like this huge dichotomy because it's usually women that are very vulnerable and men are not really tapped into that emotion. They're not tapped into that vulnerability. They don't know that they have permission to feel those emotions that makes them feel very weak. And, you know, there's a very, very, very strong cultural societal conditioning around that in the way that men and women relate to emotions and feelings and talking about those emotions and feelings. I think that's the majority of the people that we're talking to. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, how do we work through that when you have the woman who's the emotional martyr and queen and here I want to talk about my problems I want to talk about my issues I want to be vulnerable with you and the guy is like a freaking refrigerator like cold and hard square like okay I don't know what the hell to do with this yeah what what are we doing this what are we doing this situations when we have that kind of dichotomy and we love our partner, but we can't seem to meet somewhere in the middle. Totally. So two things I want to say about that. The first thing is that we, um, sorry, give me a second here. I lost my train of thought. Um, emotion, you're talking about emotional martyr. So just women being very emotional, vulnerable, and the guy is just like, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I'm shut down. So I talk about emotions. Yeah. So I teach this technique and it's, it's um, a technique around how to communicate because we were taught to communicate, to respond, react, judge, uh, compare, get triggered, but we were never taught how to listen to understand, to listen to empathize, to listen to connect. So to that question, I would offer, it's kind of going back to what we talked about before is really letting your partner know, here's what I need. Because men automatically think, oh my God, I have to fix this problem, but I don't know how to fix this problem. She's talking about all these emotions. I've never had these emotions. I don't know what to do. What do I say? And so they go into like, it's okay. You're overreacting. You're being too sensitive. It's, you know, they're, they mean well, but everything that comes out of their mouth is, is not helping. 
you know? And so that's why I think it's so important to say to our partner, just like, listen, I just need you to hear me. I need you to make eye contact. And I just need you to be with me. I don't need you to figure me out. I don't need your advice. I just need your love and letting me know that you're, that you're here with me. So, you know, really my husband, all he really says to me is, babe, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I really am. And you know what? Everything is going to be okay. And I'm here and I love you. That's really all he says to me and how much he loves me and how beautiful I am and how, you know, how he acknowledges my strength and my courage, but he doesn't need to fix me. So, you know, what I teach people is that, again, we're allowed to have our emotions. And when we try to invalidate those emotions, I feel like women are just as, 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 um, um, they make the same mistake that men do. We also try to make our man, like when they're being emotional, whether it's anger or sadness, we're right. like, oh, this is weird. Like, I don't know what to do. He's being all like sensitive and stuff. And oftentimes when what women typically do is we interrupt. We say to them, oh, baby, please tell me how you feel. I want to connect. I want to know what's going on in your world. And as soon as they open their mouth and it's not exactly what they want to hear, mm-hmm. we women shut it down. And then we go, oh, you're being disrespectful. Oh, you're being this. And so, of course, he's going to shut down yeah. because he now he's now being made to feel bad for, you know, we tell them to man up. We tell them all these things that are just not great. And I have to tell you, I have this unique bond with men. I don't know what it is, but more men cry to me on the first session than women. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Probably 50% more, 50% more. And they cry in the, like, I remember one particular woman, she was Latina and so was her husband. And she said to me, oh, he's like this, like angry. He yells, he's verbally abusive. He's like got tattoos. He's a monster. And so he agreed to talk to me. And I, I'm not even joking you, Denise. I actually had to pray for protection because she had built him up to this like, man that I was like I don't know if I can like handle being with this energy and when he came on it was nothing like that at all and we she said to me he's not emotional he doesn't like to talk he you know all these things he's cold this man talked to me for 90 minutes wow and the session was only supposed to be 30 minutes but he had so much to say and really what I got from him is he said you know my parents yelled at each other my entire life. And that's just the way I can't help that about me. That's just my reaction when I get upset. But I love this woman more than anything in the world. She is my queen. But the way she treats me and the way she talks to me makes me feel like no matter what I do, it's never good enough. And so I just stopped trying. And that just made me really, really sad. So again, I think there's so much that conversation that we have, first of all, in our own head, that isn't true about our partner and about ourselves. And then we don't actually have the communication with a partner to clarify and clean up whatever is going on. We just want us to keep in our heads like, oh, this person's bad, lazy, doesn't love me, all of these stories that we make up. And I think if there's anything that I want to share for today is that we typically, our partners don't want to hurt us. I've never heard a partner that's, I, I intentionally want to hurt my partner. No, we don't do that. We just, all we want to do is protect ourselves. But when you think of two people trying to protect their hearts, well, is that really from love or is that from fear? 
Yeah. And that's why we're in the situation that we're in, in a nutshell. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. And thank you for sharing that case study with us because what I'm hearing that I think that it's important for people, and I'm going to say men or women in this case, in a relationship that feel like I have the emotional maturity in this relationship and my partner doesn't and all that, is that we have to look at ourselves and take responsibility for the part that we play in how our partner is receiving us. Yeah. How we are coming across or how we are contributing to their behavior. That's the total opposite of what we want. Right. Yeah. We want them to open up, but then they open up and then we become judgmental. We become critical. We're like, this is not the way that I wanted to receive it. And then they shut down and then we complain about them shutting down. I think it's important for us that, you know, this is a two way street. And we have to take ownership. We each have to take ownership into what we're creating in that, what we're yeah. creating in that space. So that's, yeah. that's really yeah. awesome. That's yeah. great. And I want to create, you know, response. So many people are like allergic to the word responsibility, but I want to create a context that empowers people. And that is that if you think of the word responsibility. It is the ability to respond. It is not about blame. It's not about whose fault it is. It's really being responsible, being like, yeah, you know what? I am the way I am. Yeah. I do have those things about me. Yep. Those are my quirks. Those are mine. I own them. Versus, you know, I shouldn't be this way. They shouldn't be this way. The world, there's all this resistance and in resistance, there's no power. And so being able to respond gives you power to take action distinct from what you've been doing. Because if you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get what you always got. Yeah. So you have to have the, you have to be empowered to take a new action if something doesn't work. Yeah. Thank you. That's an amazing distinction in talking about responsibility. It's not about blame. It's about being able to respond. I absolutely love that. That's an awesome, awesome nugget. Yeah. So anyway, I want to go back. So you have this amazing relationship with your husband that you've had over the past 15 years, but you weren't always there. What was that journey like for you to get to have your dream partnership? Yeah. Well, you know, my, my journey, this whole thing about being a coach, a relationship coach really started inside the breakdown of my divorce. Yeah. And so, you know, what I got, and, you know, I was actually going to bring this up a little earlier, but this is a perfect opportunity. Really what I got from that experience was I had expectations about what he should be like, what our marriage should be like. And I, it was like buying, it was like buying a a house that needed some serious renovations, thinking that I could renovate this house, having never renovated a house. And so I bought, I've been called bought this man. And I was like, oh yeah, I can fix this, fix this. You know, the, the framework is good enough, but there's all these things that I need to fix in the house. 
And of course, the house did not want to be fixed. The house actually, like he resisted. It was, it was almost like his programming from childhood based on his relationship with his parents was don't tell me what to do. So everything I said, I got resistance. If I said yes, he said no. If I said white, he said black. And it was exhausting. But I would, what I really got was that I was making him wrong and I was judging him from not being the kind of husband that I wanted. But that was my responsibility to make sure that he was what I needed and wanted versus going into and going, I'll figure it out later. You know, he's good enough. And then I'll just, I'll just renovate the house. Okay realizing that the house is unrenovatable. He is, he is who he is. And the more I, I, I fought that about him, the more miserable I got. So in the end, having done the work on myself, you know, many nights of tears and, and, and figuring out what I wanted to do, I finally had a, an opportunity to just sit down with him and just say, you know what? I am so sorry for being a jerk to you for judging you, for trying to change you into someone you're not. And I really get that you're actually okay the way you are and it doesn't work for me. So coming from that place, there was power. It wasn't like you did this to me, you made me unhappy. It was like, no, you're great the way you are. This is what I want and need. And that's just not a match. So let's just complete this and move on. Yeah. And what was so miraculous about that was we went to the divorce courts to get to the law courts together. We signed the papers together. No lawyers. I think it costed us $80 to get their divorce done because we wow. didn't have kids, right? We didn't have kids. So we didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. Um, and then we went out for dinner and talked. And then he dropped me off at my house and I looked at him and I said, thank you. Good luck. Gave him a kiss on the cheek. And I was out. Like it was clean. It was great. And then after that, I really just sat down with myself and said, okay, Janelle, let's, let's get rid of this checklist that I thought was what was really important. Let's get really honest about what it is that I do want. And who am I that I am willing to wait for that person and not just settle because I'm, I don't want to be alone. And I think a lot of women do that, right? We, we settle because we don't want to be alone because the, the, the clock is ticking and we need to have our babies. And, you know, I'm Filipino. So, I mean, I got that pressure starting at like 17 years old. When are you getting yeah. married? When are you going to have kids? You know, and now I'm 40, how old am I? <laughs> I'm 44. And I still get that. Happy birthday, Janelle. Hope you get pregnant this year. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's all I care about. But, you know, I really had to get honest about what I wanted and needed for my life. And so I attracted my husband. And it's funny because sometimes when I talk about my husband to my friends, I'm like, I got really lucky. My friends are like, bullshit. That was not luck. You manifested that. You created that. That wasn't a by chance thing. Because my husband's actually, um, when I met him, he lived 5,000 miles away. So the chances of us somehow connecting and we didn't actually from the time we connected online to when we met in person was four years so he'd been in my life sort of virtually for four years before we even before I even knew what he looked like but he was (laughs) yeah but he was this this uh person in my 
atmosphere in my, I met him through work. So he was this voice. He was this, this stand for my, for, he was my support system for work. And then he just, you know, as my divorce was happening, he was just this person that I could just be really honest about because, you know, I was feeling really shameful about how my relationship was, you know, I'm Catholic. So the thought of separating was not, was something I was dreading in admitting to my family. So nobody knew. Um, but he was this person that I could just share whatever was on my mind and he didn't judge me. He just listened and he ended up becoming my confidant. And then, yeah, four years later we met and we moved in together like a week after we met. And then, and then he, two months later, he went home, grabbed his two, two suitcases and that was it and came here moved in together. And that was 15 years ago. And it's just been super easy and effortless since then. That's awesome. That's so great. So one of the things that you talk about, um, wow, really resonates with me. And it's something that keeps coming up over and over and over again. So I thought that I would put it on the table here, which is expectations, expectations in everything, whether it's life of ourselves, of others, in our intimate partnerships, and so forth. And I recently heard a, I don't know if it was a podcast or part of a podcast or part of a book or whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. anyway, the author was Steve Chandler, who is like a master, master coach. Um, I don't know who doesn't know that name in the coaching arena. And um, he talked about expectations and it's something that has stayed with me and that I now adopt and practice in how I work with other people and how I relate to other people. And one of the things they talked about is people hate expectations. They hate expectations. They don't, whether it's an employee in a job or you're in a relationship or you're a parent and kids and you have expectations of your kids. And one of the things that we want to replace expectations with are agreements. And I think that agreements are much more powerful in a relationship than expectations. Wouldn't you say that both people are participating and co-creating in the process of what they want their relationship to look like? rather than I expect you to do this, I expect you to do that. But it's rather like sitting down and really talking about our needs and what we hope, right? What is mm-hmm. the hope that we want to get? What, the, what are our hopes and dreams about our relationship? And how can we come together to hopefully you know, do these things for each other. Um, What are your, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know expect, I think expectations can really, really ruin a relationship. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, you know, to your point earlier, expectations on ourselves first, like that, you know, I know my expectations for myself are so high. And what I would offer before we get into what you were saying is, 
you know, how I set up in my mind is the two distinctions called committed yes, versus attached. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I'm attached to a certain, talking about expectation, I'm attached to a certain outcome. Yeah. I'm attached to a certain um, way of being of my husband, like the expectation. Yeah. But when we're committed, yeah. there is no, there's way more freedom and space and committed. Yeah. Right. But when we're attached, there is like a pressure and a, a feeling of obligation and should, should be this way. Yeah. But if we're just committed, like, and so, you know, in my sessions with my clients, my first question is, what are you actually committed to in your life? They go, well, I'm committed to having a happy family. Okay, great. That is our Northern star. But then they start to tell me how they act and they talk to each other. And I say, well, are those things in alignment with what you're committed to? No. So then that's where the, that's where the misalignment and that's where the suffering occurs is because who you say you are. And the actions you're actually doing are not the same. And that's why it's not working for you. Yeah. Right. But like back to what you were saying about expectation, I think it's important to yeah have agreement. But another, another level of that is making sure your partner understands why it's important to you. Why is it important that the dishes are put away the certain way? Why is it important that we clean up after our kids immediately after they make the mess? Because again, our beliefs and values are very different from someone else. Like I remember my ex-husband, he used to get so mad at me at how I used to put the toilet paper in. Because in my house, in my house with my parents, it didn't matter which way it went in. It's just, you just put it on the roll and you just pull it out. Yes. But like he used to lose his mind whenever I put it in a certain way. And so, you know, he was really committed that it was going a certain way. Where To me, I'm like, what does it matter? Yeah. But once I understood why it was important to him, I'm like, oh, okay. So I think, first of all, yeah, make sure your, your partner understands why these expectations are there, how it makes a difference in your life. And thirdly, like what's in it for them? And then making sure that when they do follow through that you acknowledge the crap out of them yeah I feel like we're so chintzy I don't know if that's a word we're so (laughs) there's like the scarcity mentality around appreciation like we have to only use it in certain you know people will say well why should I have to say thank you that's like that's he should that's a given that's just should be his job it's like so what If he's going to, if, if you being like, oh my God, baby, thank you so much for taking out the garbage this morning so that I didn't have to, then I could sleep in for an extra 15 minutes. I love you. And thank you for taking care of me. He's going to feel like a freaking hero. And guess what? He's going to do it every week so that he can get that love from you. But if you got it, like, I don't need to say thank you to you. That's your job. And then you wonder why he doesn't stay consistent. I want to tell one quick story. My, when my husband and I got married, so when I met him, he was 230, 230 pounds. When we got married, he got to almost 300 pounds. Wow. <laughs> he discovered sushi and he <laughs> discovered this amazing burger place near my house that they don't have where, he, where he's from. So he, we both gained quite a bit of weight. Anyway, so getting ready for the wedding, you know, going to the gym and I'm like, hey, you know, honey, you should come with me to the gym. And he's like, you know, he's very shy, very insecure about his body. He's one of these kids that since he was five, he's been overweight. So he's always had like a, 
you know, a self-confidence issue. Anyway, so he finally is like, okay, fine, I'll go with you. So he goes with me. And on the way home, I look at him and I said, oh, baby, I can see a little toning in your arms. It looks, it looks really good. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I start squeezing it. I'm like, this is really nice. He's like, oh. It's like, maybe I'll go to the gym with you again tomorrow. I'm like, okay. This was three years ago. This man has dropped 100 pounds. He goes to the gym five days a week. He does the rock, the, the rock um, workout, and he's absolutely ripped. And I, I know that he does it for himself to look good, but I also know he does it for me because every, every time he comes home, he takes his shirt off and flexes for me. And what he expects is me to go, ooh, ah, and I give it to yeah. him, right? That positive affirmation, yeah. right? You know, and he'll even say to me, oh, you know, I didn't want to go to the gym this morning. Or if he doesn't go to the gym, he'll, he'll feel bad. He's like, oh, babe, I didn't go to the gym. It's like, babe, it's okay. Like, that's fine. It's like, oh, but I don't want to get fat. And I'm like, you're not going to get fat. He's like, but I want to look good for you. I'm like, I know you do. So I give, I know he does it for me. And I give him all the love and praise. And guess what? He gets tons of sex for me, right? And that's yeah. really what he wants. That's yeah. what he wants. And, it's so and if we can give so much more praise, then we do criticism. Because I know that when we criticize, when we judge, when we're upset, we're angry. It's like we let it rip. But taking just, you know, peeling that back and taking the time, like you said, to to provide those positive affirmations, to say the thank yous, to show appreciation. I think it goes a long way in nurturing um, and planting those seeds that in your, in your relationship for it to grow. Yeah. And then you're teaching your partner too the, the power of that appreciation and respect. So guess what? He gives it to me as much as I dish it out to him. And it's just this back and forth. And so we are constantly filling each other's love tank and making sure that we both feel secure and, and confident about who we are. My husband, like I said, he, he lost a whole bunch of weight. He actually just um, got hired into a band. And this band does nightclubs almost every week. Wow, they okay. do outdoor shows. They're like, they're a big deal in town. Yeah. They're a tribute band. And there's, there was this part of me for a moment that I got a little bit afraid, like a little bit jealous. Cause I'm like, okay, my husband is clearly the best looking of all these guys. And I've been to these shows where women just stand in front of my husband and just take pictures of him. And there was this concern for me that I was like, Oh, I hope this is going to be okay for our relationship. Yeah. But you know what? I feel so secure because I know I give my man what he wants and needs from me that he doesn't need to go anywhere else. And so I feel 150% confident when he goes wherever he goes in the nightclubs, I'm like, okay, bye-bye, have fun, you know? Yeah. Um, it's an amazing feeling to have that level of confidence and security in the relationship that I never feel like I have to worry about him, his eyes, you know, wandering or anything happening or putting our relationship in jeopardy because yeah. I make sure I take care of business. And he does the same. That is awesome. Uh, that is awesome. So <laughs> you've got this amazing relationship and it wasn't by luck. It was very purposeful. It was very intentional. You yes. attracted this person into your life. You manifested, you know, what you wanted 
for all the women out there that want to have a similar relationship, you know, that it's like, what is the secret sauce? How do I do this? That have the checklist. Is it okay to have a checklist or should we throw the checklist away? Because I think we all in our minds, if we don't have it in writing, I know that if we don't have that vision board, I know that mentally we have this is what we would like. This is what we want. Oh, I want him to be ripped or I want him to be funny or I want him, you know, is it healthy to have a checklist? Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's good to have a checklist because I think that helps with the manifestation and getting really clear about what it is you want. However, I think also we need to make sure that we are open yeah. To like, there's a couple things on that checklist that are my no nos, like I would nevers, that my husband is that I did not expect. I, I even had it that I would never get married again. That was one of mine. I'm yeah. never getting married again. Hells no. Yeah. You know, and when I met this man, I'm like, this is him. All of those thoughts and ideas of what I thought my marriage was going to or not going to look like, this man just totally obliterated it. I would say though, what I've noticed about single women, and I know this because my best friend is single, is we look outside of ourselves to find happiness and we expect other people to be perfect, to fill our, our not enoughness. And what I would offer and invite people is to really look inside yourself to say, well, what if I was just enough? And this person that came into my life was just the icing on the cake. But I think we put so much pressure. We put so much pressure on other people to fill our own unhappiness. And they're only human and they're flawed. And you know, especially if we're not great with communicating, here's what I need, because I'm independent, strong woman, we're setting our, our men up for, for failure. And so I think it's really important for us to embody who. We want to be the kind of partner that other people naturally want to come to versus us going out and going, you all need to be, you all men need to get your shit together. No, it's like, how do I get my shit together so that I naturally attract that man who is going to be my compliment, not going to need me or I need him, but really we just, we rise, we get up under each other. We empower each other and being together is just icing on the cake, but we're now because I feel like a lot of couples are very codependent and that's not healthy either. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that we see that play out a lot in fairy tales and in movies, you know, mm-hmm. like the big line, the big cheesy line that everybody talks about with Tom Cruise just breaks and he's like, you complete me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like so. And I'm like, that's not real. You know, and if if your relationship is about that other person completing you, you're setting yourself up for failure, truly. Yeah, yeah, because then you have, again, an expectation that they're always going to be perfect. They're always going to say the right thing. They're always going to. Yeah. No, right. Your your relationship is always, you know, your relationship is going to go through changes and and different sort of like versions and phases. Right. And so you can't be attached to a certain way. You know, I hear so many couples who say, I just want to get back to the way things were. But guess what? You've, you know, the way things were is you had no kids. Now you have four kids. 
it's going to be really hard to go back to the way things were. And so we're like, we need to be able to be willing to just roll with the punches and always put in the effort and to have the compassion for not only our partner, but ourselves when things don't go perfectly and to give ourselves space and, 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 and patience, I think is something that we, a lot of us don't have for our partner. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, my, my main message that I want to say is, is, you know, it's not, it's nobody's fault that we don't know how to communicate, but we can learn and we got to be willing to do things differently. We've got to be willing to take a chance, be willing to frig it up, yeah. be willing to get messy, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to get even our heart broken once in a while, all for this thing. It's this, this goal called infinite, unconditional, juicy, awesome love, which I get to, I get to live every day, but it takes work and it's possible is what I want to say. Yeah, that's awesome. Talking about work and being possible. Um, yes, relationships do take a lot of work and it takes commitment, which is another thing we, you know, you talked about commitment from both parts to want to learn the communication skills, be there with each other, listen to each other deeply, be able to talk about what you need, but also listen to what your partner needs as well. On the flip side, we also have to talk about when do you know that it's just not the right person? I think that it's important you know, for people that are in that relationship, that are in that relationship that they say, look, I've done the work. I've worked on the skills. I've worked on myself. I'm in this partnership. I know that it's work and I'm committed. You know, besides the obvious thing of being in a relationship where there may be domestic violence, gaslighting, you know, physical, emotional abuse, all those things, but where it doesn't seem to come together. When do you, when would you say, yeah, possibly, because I'm sure you see all different types of couples. Has there ever been a moment where you're like, yeah, maybe going your separate ways is the right thing for you? When do you think that happens? That's a hard question to answer. It's kind of like the question, like, when do you put your dog down? You know, and I, you know, my response is like, you just know, you know, I, I remember when my dog get, got cancer and I'm like, oh my God, the thought of putting her down was like, I couldn't even, I didn't even want to think about it. And then one day I just knew, I just knew like, this is unfair. It's I just nice. knew. I, I, I don't know how else to answer. And I don't think it's anyone else's call, but that person to decide when is enough is enough. And when they when they feel like they've given their all, because oftentimes we want to, we want to make it work, but it's been so long that the heart has been turned off and trying to get it to get going again. It's just, it's really hard to come back from years and years and years and years and years. Like I had one couple that they've been struggling for 32 years. Yeah. That's a long time. 
yeah, haven't had sex for five years. Um, and she was just like, you know what? I'm just, just not interested. And, you know, and when, it, when couples come to me, that is the number one question I ask them. I said, are you both committed to staying together? And one person's usually a heck yeah. And the other person's like, I don't know. And so I say, you know, and they ask me, is there hope? And my response is, there is hope if you think there's hope. If you don't think there's hope, then there's no hope. Yeah. It's up to you to decide. Is it worth it? Is it not? Is the good times better than the, um, more than the bad times or vice versa? And then what is the impact on your health, on your family, on your kids that this is going on? And again, you know, if that were me, again, I would ask myself, what am I committed to? If, if what I'm committed to is my marriage, then I'm going to stay in that marriage. If what I'm committed to is happiness, then maybe I won't stay in that marriage. If my commitment is to my kids, same thing. Okay, well, is it better for them to stay in this house with us and watch us fight? Or is it better for us to divorce and be friends and just to deal with the impact of that divorce? And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think you just need to know and, and know yourself enough to be honest about what it is that you need and want not from a place of ego or blame but really going into your heart and listening to what your gut tells you that's so important and I love that you talked about you know all the other parties that are involved whether it's kids family extended relatives or whatever it is because I've I was a product of a marriage that stayed together for too long just because my mother thought like I I I want in her mind I think that she was committed for us to grow up with both of our parents she wanted that for us but she didn't understand that her being in an unhealthy relationship with my dad was actually hurtful to us to watch it, you know? Um, But she committed to that idea long, long, long past the idea of her being happy, of her feeling that she deserved to be happy and that, you know, to be in love. It was this, um, it was a sacrifice. It was no longer a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And that has, it, it can have devastating consequences. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm a product of divorced parents and it had devastating consequences for my brother and I, to the point that yeah. we used to tell our mom, you need to get divorced. <laughs> you need to yeah. get divorced. Like this is not right. Yeah. This is not right. This is yeah, not I- the way that it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I I think a lot of people too, you know, and I I can say that this was, this was my situation is I didn't want to admit failure. Yeah. You know, my sister was in a marriage that she was married to a really bad alcoholic and the whole family was just like, this man is not good for you, but she didn't want to hear. I told you so. So she stuck it in and we're watching from the sidelines like, oh, oh, this is hard to watch. But she would not give up. And knowing my sister, I feel like that's why she didn't want to give up because she didn't want to admit failure. And I think a lot of people are that it's like we don't want to look bad. Right. Because people are going to talk about us. 
and talk about what a failure we were and whose fault was it and all that. And, you know, in my first marriage, I, I dealt with that too, you know, coming from a Catholic family um, and just being able to finally put my own needs first because who I was, was eldest child, good girl, straight A student. Yes, ma'am. Obedience, never upset my parents. And now I'm telling my parents, guys, uh, I'm getting a divorce. My mom didn't talk to me for two years. Wow. She was really, really, really devastated, but I knew, sorry. And I knew that that was my responsibility and I allowed her to have the emotions that she was having. Had I not been responsible, I would have been like, why are you being like this? Like, give it a rest, you know? But no, I'm like, no, you know what? She's allowed. She's allowed to feel whatever she feels. Because I knew at the end of it, once she got over this stage or phase, that she would be absolutely in love with my husband. My husband, like, she would... And now it's exactly how I thought it would go. She calls him before she calls me. She has nicknames for him. She invites him to lunch. We've even gone on vacation where we stayed in the same room together. Like they are so comfortable with each other. And he is, he's like the doting husband. And my mom's a widow. And so, you know, she really relies on him for a lot of those manly things. And he loves to serve. So they get along famously and he's, He's a musician and he loves to sing and he goes to church every week and he's polite and great with kids. So my mom adores him, but it wasn't always like that. Yeah. And I had to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Janelle. Was there something that I didn't think of to ask that I didn't ask you that you think is important that you want to leave with our audience? Yeah, I want to say two things. I want to share two really f- my favorite mottos that I always tell myself every day. Um, the first one is be the change you wish to sh- be the change you wish wish to see. If you want more love, give more love. If you want more respect, give respect. If you want acceptance, give the acceptance. We often wait for the other person to give it and then we'll give it. No, 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 no. Take leadership in your relationship. And be responsible for the condition of it versus blaming other people and waiting other people to fix the problem. The second thing I would say is um, suffering only occurs when we resist what is so. Suffering occurs when we resist what is so, meaning if we could just let go, let go of all of our expectations, let go of our disappointments, forgive, accept, have compassion. Let go of the control. If we can just stop resisting that we shouldn't be this way or people in our life shouldn't be this way or the world shouldn't be this way, consider that everything is perfect just the way God intended. And if we can just let go of all of that resistance, life would be so much more fun and less exhausting and so much more joy and love can live from that. Because when we're too busy judging, we don't have time to love. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. You're Thanks. welcome. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, the easiest way is uh, probably through my website. And my website is saveourmarriage.ca. 
I also do some life coaching on the side as well, if anybody's interested in that. Um, and they can also find me on Facebook at Wing Woman Coaching. That is awesome. So I will provide all the deets for you with this podcast. I want to thank you, Janelle, again for being here. And, you know, congratulations on your 15 plus years you know, perfect marriage that you wanted to have. That's beautiful. Again, I'm like hashtag relationship goals for everybody out there. And I'm I'm uh, actually thinking about writing a book actually about our love affair. That is awesome. I am sure that you've given many of our audience members, all the women out there that are looking for that relationship, you know, hope and the hope that there that it's possible that you can have that relationship which is amazing and awesome so thank you again for being here and for sharing your story and uh, and some of your your client stories as well and situations i appreciate it thank you everybody for tuning into another episode of diving deep please like share on social media all podcasts Um, platform channels. And again, I will um, include all the details for Janelle if you want to get in touch with her. Until next time, take care.